The song that we want to talk about this morning is Away in the Manger. This song was first published in 1885 uh, by Lutheran Sunday School curriculum, uh, children's church books, Sunday schools for families and all those things. So it actually was just a song that was written for curriculum in a Sunday school class. It's believed Martin Luther wrote this, and it was actually called Luther's Cradle Hymn. But the mystery as to who wrote the lyrics to the song is still actually there. But I don't think it's any mystery that as we look at this song and listen to this song, there's no mystery as to how it touches us, especially this Christmas season. Uh, I love the words, especially the words, little Lord Jesus. There's two words, especially Lord Jesus is what we want to look at this morning. In fact, I want to talk about surrendering to the Lordship of Christ because it said it in the song, not the one we usually sing, but it actually mentioned the Savior of a nation laid down his sweet head. You know, this baby Jesus that we're talking about, like we said last Sunday, is the Savior of the world. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And he is baby Jesus. So as we look at this idea of surrendering to the Lordship of Christ, as we think about this song, Away in a Manger, and we think about the Christmas story and all the things that took place, the first thing I want to look at this morning, we're just going to jump right into it, is simply the partially surrendered life. The partially surrendered life. Luke 6.46 says this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Why do we call him God? Why do we call him Savior? Why do we call him the the Savior of a nation and all those different things and still don't do what he asks us to do? We say we believe in the Lord, but we don't trust him with everything. We believe in the Lord, we're still going to do what we want to do. We believe in the Lord, but I want to be in control. Well, I'll give him some things in my life, Okay, you, got, you can have this part of my life, and you can control this part of my life. But on this other step, man, keep your hands off of that part of my life. You're not going to have everything, because I want that control. So my question this morning is this. What have we not surrendered to the Lord? What have we not given to him wholeheartedly? Maybe our children, our health, our attitudes, our relationships, our finances, our future. Maybe we'll agree, maybe we're a little bit lukewarm, half-hearted, partially surrendered life to God. You see, we understand, I truly believe, and if we're not, I want to talk about it. Jesus is no part-time Lord. He's not a part-time God. He's just not on call certain days of the week or every other weekend. He is a full-time God, so he doesn't want part-time followers. He doesn't want part-time Christians. He doesn't want partially surrendered followers. There's a phrase used over and over again. A phrase that even after years have gone by, that we hear it, or in the song Away in the Manger, when we hear that song, I think it brings us back maybe to our childhood, maybe to special Christmases that we've had, we've celebrated in our life. But maybe when we hear this song, where it says the little Lord Jesus. And even those two words throughout that song, it is said multiple times, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. 
Maybe when we hear it enough, it brings us back into alignment with the Holy Spirit. The phrase is simple, the little Lord Jesus. But understand this morning, focusing simply on the baby Jesus, you know the little Lord Jesus, the six-pound, eight-ounce baby Jesus? If we just focus on that and on a baby, I think we do a disservice to us. Because I want us to understand this morning, even in the song and the video that we watched, it was a cute baby. And what I liked about it is it kind of brought it real instead of an animated or a doll laying in a manger. And it made it a little more real. But we still can't focus on six pound, eight ounce baby Jesus. Now, I don't know if that's what he weighed or not. I don't, I'm just making that up. Okay, so don't go quoting that. But what I want us to see is there's so much more to what God intended on this little Lord Jesus. So don't focus on the size of the baby. Focus on the Lordship of Jesus. The Lordship of Jesus is talked about 740 times in the New Testament. I mean, we hear about it quite a bit. We may even say it a lot. But I want to look at one classic verse dealing with the birth of Christ and show you the first mention of the Savior's birth where we see him called Lord. You see, Jesus is Lord. He is Lord. We read it earlier. Shepherds watching their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord comes to them and says, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. The news they've been waiting for. The news they've been anticipating. The news they couldn't wait for, much like a three-year-old waiting for Christmas to come. And that Christmas morning, they're up early. They were waiting for this news for centuries. And the angel said, he is Christ the Lord. You see, at the very beginning of the story, at the very beginning of the Christmas story, God declares him and establishes him as Jesus The Son of God is born, and He is the Savior of the world. He is Christ the Lord. So what does it mean? What does it mean for us today? What does it mean for us today in the church and in our families, in our marriages, with our money, while we're Christmas shopping, maybe even as grandparents and aunts and uncles and has these kids around us that really aren't part of our home, but they're part of our family? When we truly make Jesus... Christ our Lord. You see, this word Lord means kurios. It means supreme in authority. It means controller. It means Lord. Lord of our life. Control. I mean, it's something we like to have, isn't it? I mean, we like control, and we don't want to give it up. I imagine this word controller is going to give us fits in a lot of ways. It's going to challenge a lot of us in our life. Because we want to keep control. We don't want to give up control. Because Jesus is the controller. I think he's going to have some competition for us in our life. And I want you to know, thankfully today, I want you to know I have no problem in this area in my life. As long as everybody does it my way. As long as everybody's going my direction. As long as everybody on the roads are driving like me because nobody drives as good as I drive. As long as I have the TV remote, 
everything's good, so just step back from the TV remote, and there's no issues, right? Let's admit we all have control issues. We all want this control. So if you want to get technical about this Jesus is Lord thing, understand, first and foremost, we don't make Jesus Lord, okay? We don't make Jesus Lord. He is already Lord. God made him Lord, okay? Our job, (laughs) our responsibility is we surrender our life to his lordship, okay? We surrender that. And I'm afraid that's where the majority of the American Christians live because I believe there's more devotion to the lordship of Jesus in parts of the world where there's a lot of persecution going on, where their lives are threatened just for having a Bible. Their lives are threatened for getting together to worship together, to have a Bible study together. I think there's more devotion in those areas where the persecution is intense. But in America, we kind of have this casual Christianity going on. It's casual in our life. We kind of know it's always going to be there. It's safe. We can carry our Bibles. We can do what we want to do. Now, I understand we've got all these snowflakes in the world today that want to fight against it, but there's nothing to say we can't carry this Bible, that we can't wear a shirt that says Jesus is Lord, that we can't do those things. But we still have this casual idea about Christianity. In fact, there's a book that's been written, in fact, a few books that's been written about the Christian atheist. What's an atheist? Someone who proclaims there is no God. And we have this idea of a Christian atheist where people believe in God. They say there's a God, but they live as if he doesn't exist. It's a Christian atheist. Understand what that means. It's a partially surrendered life. We say there's a God, but we're going to live the way we want. We say there's a God, but we're not going to surrender our life totally to him. So you've got to ask the question, why the lip service? Don't want the lip service. I want life of service, Jesus says. And God's up there in heaven and says, why do you keep saying I'm God, but you don't serve me? Why do you keep saying I'm God, but you don't really worship me? Why do you say I'm God, but you won't surrender to me? Don't talk the talk, walk the walk. Do what we say we believe and what we need to do. Why call me Lord, then go out and do whatever you want. I think what Jesus wants us to understand this morning This whole idea about the lordship of Christ, it's not a game. It's not a game that we're playing in this world. Jesus is saying we need to get this straight. He said we need to get this right. We need to understand this. And what do I mean by that? We say, I know we're supposed to forgive. (laughs) But after what they did, no way. There's no way I'm going to forgive them, but we're going to come to church and we're going to worship and we're going to say, I'm good with that, but I'm not going to surrender that part of my life to anybody. We say we're supposed to pray for those who persecute me, for those who hurt me, but we really say, no way, forget about that. We say, yeah, I know we're supposed to serve. 
I know we're supposed to do things for God, for the church, and for people. We say that, but then we also say as we sit in our pews, well, there's other people that will do it. There's always somebody else that will get the job done. Even though we say we know these things, right? I mean, am I, am I halfway right here? So many times we say what we're supposed to do. We say we're supposed to give him Sundays. After all, he's given all the other ones to us. And he says, I want you to have Sunday to worship and to rest. But we're going to do what we want to do, so we're going to skip church. We're not going to go to church on a whim like we've talked about before. We know church happens at 1030 every Sunday, but at 730 on Sunday morning, somebody goes, hey, I got Colts tickets. You want to go? Game starts at 11. Without question, boom, we go to the Colts game on a whim. Even though we know what God's word says, we say, no big deal. There's always next Sunday. The church will always be there, right? We talked even Wednesday night in our Bible study about why it's important to be in church, to be in worship. One, it's a testimony. One, it's because we love God and we want to worship God, but it's also a testimony. But we also said this. I read it someplace else, but I can't remember who said it. But it says, anytime we miss church, it's a vote to close the doors. Whew. It's just a vote to close the doors because it's a whim. It's no big deal, even though we say those things. Some are worried you're going to get struck with lightning because we do certain things. Years ago, Tom Cash was preaching, and uh, I think it's funny. Other people don't. Um, in his sermon, he took a Bible and he tore it. Okay? Just tore it. And people got upset. They were mad. Okay? And my question is this. Okay, you got mad because he tore a Bible, but all this is, I know it's God's Word. It's paper and ink. And we got upset. You got mad. And I have to ask the question, why? When we rip up God's truth every day in our lives because we don't totally surrender to the Lordship of Christ. Because we just don't do it. Oh, we'll get upset about this. Now, I'm not, please, don't, don't. I'm not saying we mistreat God's word. Okay? I'm not saying that. But if we don't live what the Word of God says, if we don't believe in what the Word of God says, if we don't surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, this is just ink and paper, folks. That's all it is. Remember, Jesus said, hang on. Hold the phone just a second. Don't call me Lord, Lord, and go out and do whatever you want. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with some of your ways. The ways you want, just pick out a few and lean on your own understanding and all these things will be added to you and your paths will be straight. That's, and that's what he says in general, doesn't it? In other words, do what you want to do. No, listen to what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. What is it I'm not surrendering to God? What is it we're not surrendering to the Lordship of Christ? Because almost all of us here, in one way or another, are living partially surrendered lives. Number two, 
What does the fully surrendered life look like? And I'm talking fully surrendered. I'm talking all in Jesus. I'm all in this. Not just when it's convenient. Not just in a God bless America kind of thing. But full in. No holding back. My life does not belong to me. But it belongs to him kind of commitment. So no matter what's going on in our life. No matter how busy we are. It's still God. I like how Paul said in Romans 14, 7 and 8. He said, for none of us lives for ourselves alone. And none of us dies for ourselves alone. He says, if we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. So let me ask you this this morning. How many of you are alive this morning? None of you. Great! Preach over, check the pulse of the person sitting next to you. If there's no pulse, lay him down for crying out loud. That way the funeral director doesn't have to fix something across their forehead. Remember what we said about this word, the Lord, means supreme authority. If we live to honor God, if we die, it's an honor to God. Why? Whose life does this belong to? It belongs to God's. So whether we live or die, it's a glory to God. We belong to the Lord. We surrender to his lordship. When Jesus shed his blood and died for us, he offered us this free gift of salvation. A free gift. It's better than any Christmas gift we could have, any better birthday gift we could have. Anything that we could ever receive, it's better than that. So understand this. Salvation costs you nothing. But it costs Jesus everything. Because he is Savior and Lord. What I'm trying to say is this. We can't take this casual approach. This idea that a lot of people in the world will say, Hey, Jesus is my buddy. He's my homeboy on the cross. He died for my sins. He's a soon returning king. And that's what we got to understand. He is the conquering, reigning, ruling, supreme authority. Coming back with a sword with a name written on it that says he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And folks, we have to understand he means business. He means business. So what I'm asking us this morning is this. Don't just say, Lord, Lord, and do whatever you want. Because our lives don't belong to us. Our lives belong to him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, all of our heart, and lean not on you in understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. To acknowledge, to know, to all in all of our ways, we know him. So the bottom line is this. The reason we don't trust him or surrender to him in some area of our lives is because we don't know him in that area of our lives okay so if we have an unsurrendered aspect of our life or part of our life that we just can't simply get rid of or go on about it's because we don't know jesus in that part of our life in other words we haven't let him in to our life in that area and he's standing there waiting he said if you just let me in to know him is to love him and to trust him and to surrender to him So we understand, right? It's about a relationship with Jesus. Love the Lord your God. 
And the tragedy is this, and I just want to say this, not to bring fear where there's no fear needed, but reverent fear is needed in some cases. Because I'm afraid too many people in our churches in the world, too many people in our church right here, live kind of under this illusion that things are cool just because we joined the church, just because we got wet, just because we checked the box, just because we say, God bless you when somebody sneezes. And reality is this, there's more to Christianity than that. There's more to Christianity than what we're doing. The gift of eternal life may not cost you anything, but our only reasonable response to this salvation gift is to give our whole life to him. Surrender all of our life to him. At some point, we have to ask ourselves, do we really know him? I mean, do we really know him? Sometimes it can be a hard question, folks. Because I know what you're sitting here thinking. Yeah, but Kurt, I go to Bible study. I go to Sunday school. I go to church 90% of the time. Okay? I do my devotions. And we can do all of those things and still have hidden pockets that we refused to let Christ into in our life. So the question is, do we truly know him? Because Jesus said some really haunting words in all the scripture in Matthew 7, 21 and 22. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? But verse 23 says, Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. That's some haunting words. Big difference calling Jesus Lord and surrendering to him as Lord. You see, a lot of times we want God to prove himself so that we can trust him. We'll say, okay, God, do these things. Then I will believe in you. Then I will have faith in you. Then I will surrender my life to you. But really, God wants us to trust him so he can prove himself. Faith comes first. We have faith in him. We cannot please him without faith. So understand, he is Lord of all or not Lord at all. This is an all-in thing, folks. And I think we as churches and we as Christians have got to understand this. He is either Lord of all or not Lord at all. I mean, the song that we listen to today, Away in a manger, no crib for his bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. The stars in the sky looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. Says the cows are lowing, the poor baby wakes. The little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Says, I love thee, Lord Jesus, look down from the sky and stay by my side till morning is nigh. This Lord Jesus has to be Lord of our life. And like I said earlier, it's a gift that he gives to us freely. It's a gift he paid the ultimate price for. It's a gift that continues to give day in and day out. 
doesn't make any difference if it's the brightest of days or the darkest of nights. doesn't matter if you're on the highest mountain or the lowest valley. It doesn't matter because he is the baby in the manger, yes. But it's more than that. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he wants to be that in our lives.